It's Morning Edition from NHPR. I'm Rick Ganley, and this is the New Hampshire News Recap. Let's get into this week's top news. Former President Donald Trump campaigning in Manchester last night. This coming as several other GOP candidates have worked to rally New Hampshire supporters this week. NHPR reporter Todd Bookman was at Trump's event last night, and he joins us on the line now. Good morning, Todd. Good morning, Rick. So, Todd, Trump's last visit was in January at the state's GOP's annual meeting. Now, this time around, it was more of a a classic Trump rally in front of supporters. How was he received? Uh, He was received very positively. Um, You know, he comes to the stage like a like a real hero, like a king in terms of um, receiving accolades from the crowd. They cheer on every word. This was very much his base showing up. Um, A surprisingly large number of people wearing uh, Trump themed T-shirts, Trump themed hats. you know, when he criticizes the media, the crowd turns around and boos at, at the media uh, uh, staged in the risers. So this this was very much, um, you know, sort of his his ride or die folks showing up. Not many people here were kicking the tires in terms of who they're going to support in the upcoming GOP primary. Um, Trump, you know, stuck to a lot of the themes we've heard him stick to uh, since 2016, really. Um, you know, he's the only one that understands uh, uh, the American person that, that gets the the troubles and the trials that people are are going through, and the crowd loves this and 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 feels as though he gets them. Um, you know, I spoke with um, a lot of people outside of the rally uh, with nothing but kind words to say about President Trump. One of them uh, was a woman named Gwen Yashuli, and she had come up from Massachusetts for the rally because he represents America, the people, the people of America for sure. You know, and it doesn't matter what color, what uh, nationality, what religion, he represents America. How, how do you feel that your life improved during Trump's presidency? I was happier, okay? I didn't wake up every day feeling like I want to beat the crap out of somebody. That's that's an inter- interesting piece of tape right there, Todd. Yeah, it was. And, um, you know, that was really echoed by a lot of the people that, that I spoke with and a lot of people that, that were there that... Uh, you know, Trump Trump is their guy, and they're going to stick with him. Okay. Since he was last here, uh, Trump's legal troubles have also intensified, as, as you know. He was indicted on criminal charges in New York. And just yesterday, his former vice president, Mike Pence, was testifying before a grand jury investigating efforts by Trump and allies to overturn the 2020 election. And, of course, he's facing a civil trial over rape allegations, as we've been reporting this morning. He denies that. Did he talk about any of this in his speech last night? Only in the most vague terms. Um, he, he didn't mention the indictments or any of the civil trials. Um, he, he did talk about wanting to avoid certain jurisdictions as he traveled. That that really came off more as a joke, though. Um, I will say he certainly didn't give the impression that he's concerned about any of these investigations or the trial happening right now. Um, he didn't suggest that anything, uh, you know, prosecutors have any evidence or any merit uh, to these charges or, or that it would stop him. Now, how did Trump try to target his message to New Hampshire voters specifically? Did he talk about any local issues? Did he focus mainly on, uh, you know, bigger national themes or, or what? No, he did try to localize uh, portions of it. Definitely. He, he talked a lot at the beginning about uh, his support for the lobster industry, for fishermen, uh, talked about expanding waters um, that they can fish in. He also talked a lot about electricity rates. Um, New Hampshire has, uh, if not the highest and some of the highest electricity rates in the nation. Uh, Trump spent time, you know, sort of pointing blame on Biden's policies. Uh, Keystone XL uh, did not mention the war in Ukraine's role on on higher prices. Uh, But it was sort of an interesting moment where where he used New Hampshire's high electricity prices to also 
take a swipe at Governor Sununu for uh, essentially what he would consider dropping the ball on energy prices? You know, whether or not a state governor can actually have that sort of control over prices is is, is unclear, but it was certainly an, an opening, an avenue for, for Trump to criticize Governor Sununu. Well, speaking of, of Sununu, um, as the governor has been mulling his own presidential run and dismissing Trump's chances at the nomination, the, the two have been largely cordial in the past, Todd, but did Trump have anything to say about Sununu in his speech? Has Sununu been a little more, less than cordial this week? Yeah, yeah, and this was certainly kind of classic Trump style. He doesn't shy away from poking at people who, who don't fall in line with him. Um, Sununu has uh, been on an extended media run uh, over the past few weeks and months as he considers his own presidential bid. You know, when he is asked during these media appearances about Trump, uh, Sununu hasn't shied away from from delivering some of his own criticisms about the the former president. Um, you know, he has said, including last week during a Time magazine event, you know, what's the point in having a fighter in the Oval Office, uh, you know, if he can't ever finish the fight, that sort of language has come out of Sununu. And then last night, it was Trump's turn to um, to, to swipe back. Now, sort of a nasty, isn't he a nasty guy? You know, it's funny, his father was very, very tough. But when I won, he became one of my best supporters. He really was. He really was great. But he was really tough. This guy doesn't have the same qualities. But you know what? Think of it. He could have run. He could have had a Senate seat. Would have helped so much. Interesting. Uh, interesting talk right there. Yeah, some political analysis, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. So what were some other themes in, in the former president's messaging last night, Todd? Well, on a national and international scale, he, he largely focused on the economy. He focused on uh, high inflation, high gas prices. Uh, under um, the Biden White House, he, he criticized progressive policies that um, promote electric cars. Uh, Trump spent a lot of time talking about international trade deals and the deals he negotiated. Of course, he, he frames himself as an um, sort of a great deal maker. Uh, toward mm -hmm. the end of the the remarks, he did veer into social issues as well. Um, no direct mention of of abortion, though. Now, other Republican candidates were were campaigning in New Hampshire over the week. Former U.N. ambassador in South Carolina, Governor Nikki Haley, hosting a town hall at the same time last night at New England College. How are GOP candidates trying to distinguish themselves to Granite Staters as they're they're campaigning? Well, the argument they're trying to make is that you know Trump can't win in the general election, but they can. Just look at the results from 2020. Um, that the country doesn't need another Trump-Biden uh, uh, conflict, and that a new generation of Republicans, you know, are already uh, a younger generation of Republicans. That may sound like a great pitch. It may ultimately resonate with voters. Uh, but it hasn't just yet. You know, if we look at a lot of recent polls, uh, Trump is still widely in the lead. And and actually, he had a, a jumbotron on stage with him last night or a big screen TV with him last night uh, that displayed poll results. Uh, he flipped through them like it was a PowerPoint slideshow. And each one showed him with really comfortable leads uh, across across early states, including New Hampshire. All right. Todd Buckman is a senior reporter for NHPR. Todd, thank you. Thank you, Rick. It's Morning Edition here on NHPR. We're recapping this week's news. If you've got some questions about our reporting or would like to inform us on our reporting, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at voices at nhpr.org. Turning to some other news of the week, thousands of people in Nashua have been enrolled in the city's community power program, marking a major turning point for community power initiatives here in the state. NHPR's Mara Hoplamazian has been reporting on community power, and they join us now. Good morning, Mara. Good morning, Rick. Good to have you in studio. Can you give us a, a quick refresher on community power programs? H how do they work? 
Sure. So community power um, makes it possible for a town or a city or a county to buy electricity on behalf of their residents instead of a utility company. While the utility company still owns the poles and wires and delivers the electricity. So I've been saying you can think of it like a soft serve ice cream machine. The utility company takes care of the machine um, and usually they take care of buying and selling the ice cream too. But under community power, a town or a city can buy the ice cream and sell different flavors and still use the utility company. It's <laughs> a great analogy. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so how big of a change, though, is it for customers? Well, previously, our only options, you know, as people who pay for electricity were to go with a traditional utility company on their default service or to use a competitive supplier, which requires, you know, research and time to figure out. But now towns and cities can provide another option for everyone, um, which is a community power program, and that can have lower prices, more options for renewable energy, you know, if that's part of people's personal goals or your town's goals. And these programs are opt-out, which means that everyone in a town that is doing community power is automatically enrolled in this cheaper, potentially greener option without really having to do any research. Um, and people can switch back to the utility default service anytime they want to, but in terms of, you know, what we'll actually see change, like you'll still turn your lights on and the lights will still go on. You, you probably won't see very much change in your day-to-day -day yes, life. Yes, practically it doesn't change your life at all, but but it, of course it has a lot to do with where, where that energy comes from. So the launch of this program in Nashua is, is the first in the state. How many other communities are expected to participate in community power programs? So there's 14 communities that have said they're planning to launch this spring, um, and a bunch more have plans to launch in the future. So the Community Power Coalition of New Hampshire has 33 communities in total signed up. That's a nonprofit that municipalities can join to help start their program. Other communities are using consulting companies like Standard Power and Good Energy. Um, that company, Those companies are helping about a dozen communities so far. So it's pretty widespread already with programs just starting up. So what are the effects for, for towns themselves? Some towns say this is helping them achieve their clean energy goals. Keene, for example, told me their program's part of the city's commitment to 100% clean energy. So through these programs, towns can offer a default electricity program that has more renewable energy than the utilities default program or the state's sort of minimums, um, and can also offer options for people to bump up to 50 or 100% renewable energy. That can help with a town's energy goals. And because these programs can buy electricity on a different schedule than the regulated utilities, they can offer lower prices. So people in a community can save money. Um, and as programs are starting up, that could be as much as $50 a month for some people. So it's helping towns and cities reach their their their, their climate goals. Climate goals and, and save money. And several yeah. cities and towns have target dates, right? Um, target target date. days that they want to reach their goals by a oh, certain yes. date. Yeah, so like, this is helping you know, them. 2030, 2035, sure. 2040. Now, you reported recently, Mara, on, on some bumps in the road, though, with community power providers when it comes to uh, the state's largest utility provider, Eversource. What's going on there? Yeah, so the Community Power Coalition has said Eversource is creating barriers to the rollout of community power programs in New Hampshire in a few ways. One is that the company isn't providing some data that's needed for community power programs to serve customers who use net metering. So that could be, you know, people have solar panels and sell some of the power they produce back to the grid. Um, there's a formal complaint from the town of Harrisville about Eversource not sharing that data in front of the Public Utilities Commission right now. And as programs started enrolling customers this week, um, the Community Power Coalition said there were some bumps with Eversource's system for assigning billing codes that could cause delays. The company, um, Eversource, worked to avoid delays for the first of Nashua's customers who've already been enrolled this week, um, but other towns might still face some delay in the days to come. Eversource um, disputes the allegations that it's been getting in the way. They say they're working closely with community power organizations um, and that they support customer choice and are working hard to implement the new 
programs, but there are still some things that have been hard to work out on their end. Okay, and I know you'll be watching it for us and reporting right here on on HPR, and I'm sure we'll have you on future recaps to talk more about it. Maura, while we have you, I do want to ask you uh, one last question about landfills. You recently reported on new support for changes to New Hampshire's landfill regulations. This has been a a longstanding argument. Can you tell us why people want to change how landfills are regulated in New Hampshire? Sure. So there have been efforts in the past few years to make New Hampshire's rules around where we can put landfills more strict. Um, And the goal is to protect the environment from contaminants that can leach out of landfills, especially those that can get into bodies of water or drinking water. There's been increasing concern about PFAS chemicals, which are this harmful class of man-made chemicals that can stay in the environment for a long time and other kinds of contaminants. So there's advocates and lawmakers who want to make the landfill regulations more protective of the environment than they are right now. And just quickly, where do we stand right now? So right now, New Hampshire has a rule that landfills must be 200 feet away from bodies of water, um, but the bill would direct state regulators to revise the rules based on site-specific guidelines, so taking into account the kind of soil in the area, how long it takes groundwater to travel to a water body, some other factors. Um, And this week, state regulators said that bill would have their support, and, and they were confident it would have the support of the governor as well, even though advocates want to make some changes, but they were unclear on whether those changes would be accepted. We'll certainly let you know if they are. Mara, thank you. Thanks so much, Rick. Mara Hoplamazing covers energy and the environment for NHPR. Now, if you want to test your knowledge of the week's news, we suggest you check out the New Hampshire News Quiz. It's quick, fun, and informative, and you can sign up to get the quiz emailed to you. You can also check it out at nhpr.org slash quiz. And we'll be here next Friday with more top headlines. I'm Rick Ganley. This is NHPR.